Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. The scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. Family traditions and cultures are incredibly important to some. So much so that time and time again, people end up in situations they aren't completely happy in or can sometimes cause them harm. On January 24th, 2006, a young woman was killed for going against the wishes of her traditional family. A type of murder that is, unfortunately, all too common in some families. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Banaz Mahmoud was born on December 16, 1985, to a traditional and strict Kurdish family from the rural Miradali tribal area of Kaladiza in Iraqi Kurdistan. When Banaz was just 10 years old, her family sought asylum in the UK and began living in the South London area. Seven years after settling in London, Banaz's sister, Bakal, fled from the family home claiming she had been subject to physical abuse for befriending people not approved of by her parents and experimenting with Western clothing and hairstyles. While in foster care, she said that an attempt to end her life was made and that her father threatened to kill her mother, sisters, and himself if she did not return to the family home. She refused and began living in hiding, moving from place to place and never leaving the home without a full veil. Because of this, Mamad Babakur, Banaz's father, was seen as a failure in their community and the family was ostracized. When Manaz was 16 or 17 years old, she, like her other sisters, was assigned a husband who she was to marry. A man who was from the family hometown of Kaladiza was 10 years older than her, was illiterate, and had the mindset and values that were described as something from, quote, 50 years ago. The marriage, as you can imagine, was not a happy one, and Banaz had to contact police a number of times about the violence her husband felt was permitted. When one of her sisters saw her body covered with bruises and her husband was confronted, yes, I do beat your daughter, but it's because she's disrespectful. And yes, I do force her to have sex, but only when she says no. She was raped on a number of occasions and beaten within an inch of her life. 
So much so that, despite the consequences and her family's warnings, Banaz left her husband after just two years of marriage. She returned to the family home in July of 2005 and, for the first time ever, began a relationship with a boy that she chose, Ramat Suleimani, a boy who, despite being a family friend, was not a suitable husband for Banaz. Regardless, the pair fell madly in love, and according to author Mark Billingham, they, quote, worshipped one another. But because of Banaz's family, the two knew their relationship had to remain a secret. So they settled for a stolen rendezvous and, on one particular night, met at the Morden tube station and ended their evening with an innocent little kiss. A kiss that was seen and reported back to Banaz's father, who quickly assembled the men of the family to plan what they felt was the necessary punishment for the lovebirds, who would surely bring shame upon their family. A plan that Banaz overheard on a telephone call between her uncle and her mother. Fearing her safety, Banaz went to the police to report that her uncle was threatening to kill both her and her boyfriend. And on December 12, 2005, she delivered a letter to the Wimbledon police station naming all those whom she claimed were ready to kill her. On the following New Year's Eve, police were called to a cafe where Banaz was hiding and claiming her father had just tried to kill her. She said that she was intoxicated, that her father forced her to drink, and had injuries on her hands that she said happened when she had to smash a window to escape from. Despite being utterly terrified, the policewoman who interviewed her, P.C. Angela Cornez, chose not to believe Manaz's story, referring to her as manipulative and melodramatic, and threatening to charge her for breaking the window. Still in fear for her life, Banaz, who was now in the hospital, told her boyfriend everything that happened. He recorded it and handed it over to police. On January 22, 2006, an attempt to kidnap Ramat was made by three of the men Banaz had already listed out for the police. Both she and Ramat posted the incident separately, and Banaz was scheduled to return to the police two days later for a follow-up. She never showed back up to the station. On January 24, 2006, both of Banaz's parents left their Mitchum home to take their youngest daughter to school and to go shopping, leaving Banaz fast asleep in the lounge. It was at this point that Mohammed Marid Hama, Mohammed Saleh Ali, and Omar Hussein arrived at the home and, according to covert recordings of Mohammed Hama's testimony, grabbed 20-year-old Banaz Mahmoud and subjected her to two hours of rape and torture before she was strangled to death with a ligature. Her body was then placed in a suitcase and transported to Hansworth, where she was buried in a garden and abandoned. The following day, completely on edge after months of threats, Ramat Suleimani reported his girlfriend missing after spending the last day or so trying to contact her. When questioned, her parents portrayed themselves as easygoing, understanding, and tolerant of their daughter's choices, and said that Banaz often stayed out overnight and she would likely be back home soon. Ramat, though, knew better and kept harassing the police until they took his worries seriously. So, more than likely just to get him to stop bothering them, the police started interviewing Banaz's parents and uncle and searching their home. When they did, they noted a number of inconsistencies that painted her parents, more specifically her father, in a totally different light. 
After cross-checking their stories with the numerous reports made by Banaz herself, the police were able to compile a list of persons of interest and handed the case over to the Metropolitan Police Homicide and Serious Crime Command, which was led by Detective Chief Inspector Caroline Good. At first glance, Inspector Good worked under the assumption that Banaz, though in danger, was alive and being held against her will. So a number of raids were carried out to try and locate her. But with no sign of Banaz, they began arresting the potential suspects in hopes of getting some more information. The arrests included both her father and her uncle, who, along with the other suspects and the rest of the Kurdish community, were completely uncooperative with the investigation. Despite continued obstruction, on February 4th, 2006, Mohammed Hama, who had been positively identified by Ramat as one of the men who tried to kidnap him and threatened to kill them both, was charged with the murder. While he sat in custody, he began bragging about the role he and the others played in Banaz's murder and the disposal of her body. Brags that were, unbeknownst to him, recorded and listened to by the police, who then took the recordings and not only were able to add her uncle, Ari Aka Mahmad, and cousins, Muhammad Salih Ali and Omar Hussein, to their suspect list, but locate and unearth her body on April 28, 2006. According to the covert confession, Banaz was murdered on the orders of her family in a so-called honor killing because of the shame she brought on her family for not only ending her violent marriage, but starting a relationship with a boy whom her father had not chosen. In the end, her father, uncle, and three cousins were all charged with her murder, but not before Mohammed Saleh Ali and Omar Hussein fled back to Iraqi Kurdistan to try and avoid their arrest. In the meantime, Banaz Mahmad, who was only given a funeral to save face with the police, was buried in an unmarked grave. The Irani and Kurdish women's rights organization would later raise money and arrange to place a granite memorial headstone on her grave in June of 2007. The first of what would be three trials began in March of 2007 and would last 14 weeks, during which time Ramat Suleimani took the stand and explained the terrifying threats that were made to both he and his beloved girlfriend, as did Banaz's sister Bakal, the one who ran away all those years ago, who testified against her family despite threats from the Kurdish community that forced her into police protection. She had to take the stand behind a screen and dressed in both an abaya and a niqab to obscure her identity. In the end, both Mahmad Babakur, her father, and Ari Agha Mahmad, her uncle, were found guilty and sentenced to eight years for helping to dispose of Banaz's body. In October of 2007, Scotland Yard was informed that Mohammed Saleh Ali was in custody in Sulaymaniyah after killing a teenage boy in a hit and run and as a result, was extradited in 2009 to stand trial for Banaz's murder. His was the first ever extradition from Iraq to the UK in legal history. After hiding out in Iraq with his brothers, an altercation in December of 2009 sent Omar Hussein to the hospital where he was found, claimed he was not in the UK at the time of the murder, was proven false, and extradited in March of 2010. They were both found guilty in November 2010 for the murder and sentenced to at least 22 and 21 years. In December of 2013, Dana Amin was found guilty for helping to dispose of Banaz's body and jailed for eight years. 
Following the murder and all of the trials, Ramat Suleimani, the hero in this story, was placed in the witness protection program after standing in front of the killers and the community and telling the truth about Banaz. If it weren't for him, no one may have ever known the girl was missing. He ended his own life in 2016. Bikal also remains in hiding, while her other sister, Pazi, now works as a campaigner against child marriages. The Metropolitan Police team who found Banaz's body was given the Detective Investigation Award for their work on the case, and Detective Chief Inspector Caroline Good was awarded the Queen's Police Medal for leading the investigation. As a result of the lack of police work before her murder, a disciplinary panel was held in November of 2008 regarding the complete failure to protect Banaz Mahmad. But due to lack of key witnesses, the most people received was, quote, words of advice. And unfortunately, that does little to equip the department with the necessary preparations to respond to victims of honor-based violence, forced marriage, and female genital mutilation. In total, there are an estimated 5,000 honor killings happening each year worldwide. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on January 25th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.